everyone. Welcome to Eclipse, a Heroes podcast, where two old school fangirls rewatch the show and defend its honor. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. This week, we are going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 22, Landslide. We are going to be doing the finale next week. I cannot, I absolutely cannot believe we're already there. This this has flown by so quickly. Yes. I'm stunned. And I'm really excited for us to get into Season 2. Because <clears throat> it's just, there's so, oh, there's so many things that I'm sure I don't remember. And so many things that I want to yell about. Yes. And so mm-hmm. many things that made me happy, mm-hmm. believe it or not. There's there's some. Season two is definitely their learning curve, that's for sure. Yes. Um, it, it's, the, it's the whole um, sophomore slump, you know. It's it's that whole, like, thing they say about bands. You have your whole life to write your first album and six months to write your second. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but before we get into this week's episode and our thoughts and feelings about it, um, Rachel, would you like to tell me what you saw last night that you then brought to my attention, which made my head explode for the millionth time regarding a certain magazine? (laughs) Sure. Um, before I sat down to watch the episode, I was, uh, taking a quick flip through the new EW mag. And they had a whole section talking about Peacock, and it highlighted some of their new shows like Brave New World. And there was a section like, oh, best of the rest. Other shows we're looking forward to watching. And there was a whole bunch of other shows, and oh, one of the little shows they highlight is Heroes. And I believe the quote is, um, save the cheerleader and, like, save yourself from watching the other seasons. Or something like that. Let me actually bring up the photo that I took because <laughs> I sent I'm it to I'm pretty Keith. sure it was that. It was barely a sentence. Because after that, I wrote in the notes for the episode, yep. EW can fuck off, ask me later. <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, ooh, what do those assholes do now? Because <laughs> this is a long going feud. Yeah. Save the cheerleader, but save yourself from later seasons is what they said. These motherfuckers. Not taking any kind of dump on any of the other shows that they have in their feathering the nest section. So then it becomes a whole thing of, and I was saying this to her when we talked about this before we started recording, what did it possibly serve to feature that then if they're the only show they're going to do that with? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is the point of talking shit like that all these years later? And... It's funny that it would be Entertainment Weekly who does that because let me let me just gather everyone around here for a fun little story time about the history of Entertainment Weekly and Heroes. <laughs> this is a this is a bit of a, a, a <laughs> it's it's a bit of a hobby of mine keeping track of how much shit they talk about this show because arguably they're one of the reasons it started to go bad. Arguably one of the reasons why the public opinion turned so hard against them. When Heroes first came out, as we discussed last week, Entertainment Weekly was all about that life. They heavily featured the show. They had, like, two or three covers during the first and second season. Yep. It was it was something that they were really into, you know, boosting up. But then something happened around the third, I believe it was the third season. Late like third. the fourth volume. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, the fourth volume. And they went on set again to do another cover story. And it came out, and this was in January of 2008. And the cast and the crew were stunned by this hatchet job because they were expecting a story from what the staff told them about how the show was going to come back and they had all these cool new ideas, et cetera, et cetera. What they got instead 
was a cover story called Fallen Heroes, a series in crisis, in which Entertainment Weekly tried to sink this show just all by themselves. Mm -hmm. Nobody who spoke knew this was going to happen. It came out after that the actors, the crew, they were stunned that this had happened. This is not what they were expecting at all. This is not what Entertainment Weekly said they were going to do. They completely fucked them over. They got all this access, and they used it against them. And to what end, I still don't even really know. But this was the start of a lot of, like, really major bad press for them. Everyone wanted to follow the Entertainment Weekly trend from that point on. And it was just like, let's shit on heroes, everybody. And I'm not even going to go into the fact that there's a guy who wrote for them who they gave the show to to review, and he absolutely just butchered it every single week with all of his not caring. Which apparently he still does for that magazine, yep. as I've seen from other pieces he's done recently for shows like The Witcher. He hates genre television, and yet they give him He that. hates genre television, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll get into his so-called reviews later on, because... He absolutely doesn't even try in one of the best episodes of the show. Yep. And we'll get to that. It's it's one of the final episodes of the series. We have a long road to hoe before we get to that. But I just needed to mention that this week. I don't understand why this is still happening. I don't get it. I've seen plenty of other media outlets who weren't so kind to the show be a little more, I don't know if forgiving is the right word, but a little more fair. And Entertainment Weekly refuses to be one of them. They flatly fucking refuse. I don't know why. I don't know what it serves. But they still talk shit about it in little ways like that every chance they get. And all I have to say about it to, you know, really button this all up is there's a really great joke. And I can't recall if it's in Family Guy or in American Dad. I think it's American Dad. Where something is featured in Entertainment Weekly. And someone goes... Oh, cool. That magazine that's in every receptionist waiting room. <laughs> it's a rag. It's a fucking rag. Oh. Do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> um, if you look at the hero subreddit, which I know, shock, there is a subreddit for heroes. Uh, one of the questions that gets asked all the time that I see in my freaking feed. I watched mm. season one. Should I continue? I watched season one. Should I continue? Like, every single time. And every single time the comments are like, one person will be like, no, just pretend it ended. And everyone else will be like, just make your own mind up and watch the rest of the series. There's a lot that we enjoyed at the end. Why don't you just, you know, watch it? Mm-hmm. And when I see people on the Reddit as well who rank the seasons, or the um, volumes, I'll say, they mm-hmm. usually do season one is, like, top, and then number two is volume four. Yeah. Which is, like, the latter half of season three. That's how I rank it. Mm-hmm. Because I did that on Reddit not, not a couple months ago. <laughs> Yeah, like I'll, that is like a lot of people. They rank volume four, which is a later episode, of, like you know, a later season volume, etc. <laughs> a later thing. They rank it like mm-hmm. right underneath season one. Yeah, and they should mm-hmm. because I'm not going to say it doesn't take missteps. No, it does, and we're going to get into a lot more of that because the thing that's great about season one for us is, you know, yeah, we have a few things that we you know can nitpick over, etc. But it has the nostalgia factor built in. You know, it's the first season. It's got all the special feels still attached to it for us. But there's going to be some characters who get fucked over. There's going to be some storylines that are badly handled. And it's important to be honest about that. And it's also important to realize that that doesn't sink a whole series when there's other stuff going on elsewhere. Because of the nature of the show, it being an ensemble like that. Mm-hmm. You can have one character have a bad week or ugh, a bad season. Trust me, that's going to happen. I'm thinking <laughs> of one person in particular. But then you'll have enough good that outweighs it. 
So it's unfortunate, I suppose, if you're a fan of said character who gets screwed over. Just, you know, any character you can think of off the top of your head. You know, like, oh, I didn't like how Claire's story goes, or I don't like how Hero's story goes. And yeah, that does suck, and I could see how that would taint your opinion of the whole series. But especially with an ensemble like this, you really need to take it all kind of together and sort of weigh the parts. And I feel like there's enough really good parts uh, to make it worth watching throughout. Mm-hmm. It's like we said before, what show doesn't stumble? And mm-hmm. what did Heroes do that was worth its like crucifixion? by the media right. and uh, <laughs> genre fans at large. It's funny. This this is like a perfect bookend to our first episode, <laughs> this being the finale of season one almost, mm-hmm. is us going back and being like, why this show? There's so many genre shows that miss the football when Lucy hold, you know pulls it away. Like, so many. But, yeah, Entertainment Weekly, they're back on their bullshit. They can go eat shit, etc. So, <laughs> yeah. This will be the first or last time you hear me talk about about that magazine and their choices regarding this show. Anyway, let's go on to the episode because there's no reason to be <laughs> Debbie Downers about it. It was just something I thought was hilarious to see them continuing to shit on the show. Yep, but then she showed it to me and I was like, I will burn that. <laughs> Part of me wanted to wait until we started recording to send the image over, but no, I was... Oh, Lord. I was kind. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yep. Anyway, let's talk about Landslide. Let's talk about... uh, This episode, like Five Years Gone, and like the finale, everyone is so interconnected at this point, we can't do our usual Mm -hmm. back and forth of like going to specific characters, because everyone crosses over. So we're just going to sit back, talk about the show through in the order that it it goes in. It's the best way to do it, I think, for this one. For this one, and probably the next one, and whatever ones we need to. Because season two will be back to characters by themselves real fast. Yep, which has its pros and cons, for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, we kick off the episode in Hero's favorite way, which is to go back to the uh, cliffhanger and start there. So we get, like, the last run-up of um, Peter and Claire in Kirby Plaza meeting up with Ted, Matt, and HRG. And we get back to the moment of Peter being like, oh crap, I'm gonna explode, because I've met Ted now, I have his power. (laughs) And he looks at Claire like, you know what you have to do. And she pulls out a gun and... (laughs) I'm just laughing because of like <laughs> I'm sure that HRG was like what? <laughs> and like Matt and Ted are both like you know he's got to pull it together. Peter's like do it and then immediately is like no wait I've got it. And he pulls himself together <laughs> and he doesn't explode. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I just love it how like how big of a cliffhanger it was and how quickly it was resolved in the episode. Right? It's almost like they were like oh wait no hold on we have one more episode. <laughs> Chill out, Petrelli. <laughs> oh, man. It was just very fu- I was, like, laughing during the whole thing, but, you know. It is funny, though. You're right to laugh. It is funny. It's played all like, oh, oh no, he started... No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's all good. Moving on. Cloud is like, all right, slow clap. <laughs> you pull it together, Peter. Oh, Lord. Still flipping off HRG, though. All right. <laughs> he's, just, he's just right there. He's just right there, and they hear a clapping sound. Exactly. They're like, what? They're like, what? <laughs> yeah. But people have problems elsewhere. So Hero's got his broken sword. Remember, Siler broke it in the last episode with his freezing power. They teleported away. The Kensei sword broke. And Hero is really depressed about it. 
It's like, he'd failed his chance to kill Siler. He's not fit to wield a sword. And Ando's like, you know, best sidekick ever. He has to give him a pep talk, get Hero built back up. <laughs> Destiny picked you, Hero. And Hero's like, no, Destiny made a mistake. I'm I'm a failure, Ando. I'm a failure. And I love that Ando just goes to, grabs a phone book, like, we'll fix it. We'll get the sword fixed. <gasps> <laughs> and I know I would be like, Hero, just be like, Are you, we're not going to find a swordsmith in the yellow pages in New York. But guess what? Ando finds a swordsmith in the yellow pages in New York. And the symbol for the shop is the uh, godsend symbol, the helix. So Ando calls up and he's like, you know, can you repair an ancient sword? And then Hiro takes the phone from him like, my name is Hiro Nakamura and the fate of the world is in your hands. Love that. Yeah. So they're going to get their sword fixed or at least attempt to. Yeah. It was always really great that Ando's like, hold on. Let's go to the yellow pages to solve this problem. And they're like, you know, I, I just love, yeah, Hero was like, what? No, this isn't, this is like an ancient samurai. This is like an antique. What are you, what are you thinking? What are you doing, Ando? But as we see, you know, it's all very, it's all fate, man. It's just all fate. And like going back to the beginning of the season, we see this huge flip in like Ando and Hero right now where. Ando is the one with the faith and the like, oh, we'll just find it. We'll mm. find a way to do it. Compared to where he was at the beginning, like, Hero, you're freaking nuts. That's true. He's seen enough. He's, he's... been through enough that he's just completely mm-hmm. full on, like, we can do this, Hero. It's our destiny to save the world. It's fun to see him all empowered like that. Yes. So back to um, Kirby Plaza. <laughs> uh, <laughs> HRG's walking with Claire and he's like, so, Peter's your uncle, huh? They, they didn't tell me that. <laughs> of course they wouldn't. No. And uh, he tells Claire, you know, Claire's like, well, it's his destiny that you're here. You found me. And he's like, well, we weren't really looking for you. We were here to destroy the tracking system. And um, so we can have a normal life. And then Claire questions if they even can ever have a normal life after this. They can't. And yeah, because they can't. (laughs) They're going to try so much, but no one can. (laughs) She, you know, she's like, I've accepted myself for who I am. Is there any normal anymore? We will see. Mm. Stay tuned. And Peter's like, all right, Ted, you got to get out of here. You have to get out of the city. You're, it could be you that explodes. It could be me. Like, I have to get out of the city, too. And um, <laughs> he's like, I had a painting and a dream about New York exploding. And Ted's like, are you serious? <laughs> that line reading is still one of my favorite things in the world. Like, yeah, that and a dream. <laughs> like, it's just the most serious thing. I love it. Like, debate that. Yep. Yeah. And Matt backs him up. He's like, he believes every word he's telling you. He's not lying about it. <laughs> not that Matt fully believes it either, I'm sure. He's just like, well, he's not lying no. what he's telling you. And um, so Atrid and Claire come back to the other three. And he's like, all right, Claire is going to take you, Ted, and Peter to Nebraska. There's this town. It's got 15 people in it. You'll be safe there. If something happens, it can happen there. And uh, Ted's kind of like, eh, about it. But... Peter talks him up and eventually he's like, all right, I'm in. And the camera does a great pan back because who's been watching him this whole time? Siler. And what does he say? Me too. <laughs> I'm also in. Like, mm, go and get that power. Yum, yum, yum. You shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I love him enjoying his newfound eavesdropping ability. <laughs> yes. Just hanging out, out of sight, listening to what's happening. So, Okay. Quick, quick thing here. Okay. What do you remember the radius 
of the explosion potential for a Ted or a Peter? No. Like, do you remember how many city blocks or whatever it was supposed to be able to annihilate in New York City? Yeah, I don't remember. Because, okay, Windy Fork, Nebraska, population 15, mm-hmm. literally what they say. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's a small town. It's a small, probably rural town. Um, I, I can't imagine they have as much space as, like, a New York would have. So, are we just going to explode all these 15 people? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it, it's the train track argument, you know? No, it is. It's the, the trolley argument. Or, there you go. The trolley argument. So They talk about it in the good place all the time, so I have to be that guy. <laughs> Well, we see from what's left in five years gone compared to what is gone that it's not too big of an explosion, honestly. You sort of see Nathan giving that speech at the epicenter and it doesn't look like it's gone too far, but certainly it's going to kill everyone a little bit further out than what it might destroy. Yeah, because like, especially in a place that's so flat, like Nebraska, Mm -hmm. dude, that's gonna, that's gonna spread. The radiation's gonna spread. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's just like, well, it's, it's rural enough. I never would have thought of the trolley cart argument until you said that, but I was like, fuck, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You gotta kill these 15 people and probably some others, sorry guys, in your cabins or whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, wow. Too bad we didn't get to reckon with that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Spoiler, but we don't up. get to reckon with that, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, after after Siler decides he's gonna join the team and they don't know it, um, <laughs> we... Go back over to a different scene, and this time Nathan is chilling in his office at home, and Linderman's there. And Nathan's looking at the polls like, okay, but I'm behind. This isn't going to happen. And Linderman's just like so full of confidence, just like, yeah, I never listen to polls. Today you become a congressman, and in time, you'll lead the country. And... You know, Nathan's still all, like, he's such a little angst bucket. Like, just put the beard of sadness on him right now. Like, (laughs) just get it over with. Because he's super concerned about all of this. And Linderman's like, no one can stop Peter, so let's control what we can about this. And he has the nerve to bring up good old Arthur Petrelli. (laughs) Take a fucking shot. Um... I honestly, like, I knew he got mentioned a lot. I know we've mentioned this before, but my God, he is in a lot of the season without being on the show. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. his shadow looms so large. Larger than we remember. He, yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, they've mentioned it before a couple times or whatever, but, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty much just like, hey, your dad would be real proud of you for doing this. And Nathan just wheels around on him like, Pop would have me committed for even considering this nonsense. <laughs> and Linderman's like, oh, oh, well, clearly your mother didn't tell you. Your dad... He was one of us, someone with great power. Further uh, establishment of the fact that every goddamn parent on the show is not to be trusted and they're all involved in stuff. <laughs> like, every single one. These people, especially in season one, that we're following, their ancestors all matter to the story at large. It's just, it's crazy how there are very few characters whose parents or family are not involved in the company somehow. Or in this plan in particular. Uh, Linderman goes on to be like, hey, he tried to make a difference in the world, but he gave up. Your father was weak. He calls him weak. I don't know that I'd call Arthur Petrelli weak, but I don't know. (laughs) We certainly know a different version of him than what's being described. But Nathan gets all pissy about this. He's like, my father was my hero. And before they can really continue getting into it, Heidi rolls up and Linderman announces that 
he would like to give the both of them a gift because it's such an important special day. So he goes over to her, he takes her hand, and he heals her. And it's such a control move because he was responsible for the injury mm-hmm. and he can take it away. Mm-hmm. That is that is that is that is that is dirty pool. That is messed up. I never really thought of it that way, but I was like, oh my god, it was his thugs who chased the car. Yeah. Yep. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Such a such a power move right there. And Heidi's annoyed he's there because obviously she knows that he's not a good dude. And she's like, he's a thief and a liar and God knows what else. Why is this man in our house? And Nathan's really, he's still struggling with all of his decisions and what he needs to do. And he's like, my man is being asked to make a hard choice for the greater good. And she tells him, she's like, dude, you don't have to sell your soul to do great things. Like, you're a good person. You don't need to get yourself involved with people like Linderman just because they give you money. And as they're talking, Nathan's looking down because he's feeling really, well, he's feeling down. And he notices that her foot is moving a little bit. And holy crap, yep, Heidi's healed. She can stand again. And she's like, it's a miracle. Or no, he's like, it's a miracle. And the way he says it, just that look in his face, like, because he knows. Like, (laughs) oh, he owes him even more now. Stuck and trapped forever. Yep. So that's a big thing that happens over on that side of things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back to the streets of New York. Before we do. Yeah, do. Before we do. Uh, mm. I had a, I feel like I had a weird mandala effect with this scene. Oh, okay. I remembered Linderman healing Heidi and her sitting on a couch, not on a wheelchair. Oh, really? And I could swear up and down, like, they were on a couch together, like, Nathan was sitting next to her on a couch, and Linderman walked over, mm. like, held her hand the awkward amount of time that he did this time. And then left. Mm-hmm. I, I swear mm-hmm. it happened from a couch and not a wheelchair. Huh. If you'd have asked that's, me to describe that's... the scene before rewatching the episode again, that is how I would have described it. That's wild. That's your Berenstein Berenstein. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I... God, I don't know. If you would have asked me to describe this, I don't know that I could remember either of them. I just know that he heals her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So, big stuff happening there. We're going back to the streets of New York. And there's this little throwaway line that Claire's about to say that makes me super sad that we never got to see it. (laughs) Uh, Claire's like, hey, maybe after all this nonsense is dealt with, I can go on patrol. You know? You can jump in front of bullets and save people. I would have loved to see her go for, like, a Buffy route. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That would have been amazing. I thought that's what they were alluding to when I first watched. I was like, oh, is that what Claire's going to end up doing? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Peter has the really great line where he's like, oh, you're not going to catch me wearing a cape, zipping around with my underwear outside of my pants, <laughs> which is really funny because they have a graphic novel where he looks exactly like that um, because that's how he dreams of himself. Claire asks why they can't fly to Nebraska. And it's like, obviously, Ted's on, like, he's number one on the FBI Most Wanted list probably right now. Like, it's probably just right smack there. So they're just, you know, they're walking and they're going to get a car. And while they're walking... Peter overhears Siler in his mind, and Siler is making a plan where he's like, oh, so Ted's wanted by the law. I can use that. And they're like, oh, shit. It's, you know, oh, Siler's near. I can hear him. We need to, we need to bail out. And Ted's just like, who's Siler? Because <laughs> we're at that part of the show now where all everyone's coming together, but they haven't had the same experiences. So they're like, what? Yep. Which, didn't they say he was Siler when, they, when he got caught, though? Um, like, I don't remember if they ever said the name to him. I guess. Uh, I'm surprised that, you know, HRG and Matt didn't have a little conversation about that while they were driving <laughs> to New York. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Matt was too busy talking about his wife and his baby or whatever. But, like... Um, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so Scream Dash is like, who the hell is Tyler? Like, what is this? And uh, I love the pan shot that they use where they just, like, do, like, I don't know what it's called, where they just, they're in that little group, the three of them, and it, the camera just circles around them. It's such a cool shot. I love that. It's so pre-Avengers. Um... And then they, you know, they get off the streets because, ooh, danger. And then when we see Siler, he's nearby. And he's straight up just leaning against a building eating ice cream. And it's just so great. He's like, he's having a lovely day following his new <laughs> friends. And having a delicious treat. Which, you know, wintertime ice cream, relatable. Because I, too, love ice cream in the wintertime. It's, like, my favorite time to eat it. So. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, his threat remains very, very, uh, near. Meanwhile. Hero and Ando are all like, let's go get that sword effect. So they're on the way there and they notice, oh, people are lining up to vote. And who does Hero see there? But Flying Man. <laughs> and he's like, he can help us. And Ando's like, hold up. He was the bad guy in the future. Are you sure? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. He's not a bad guy right now. We'll go over there. So Hero runs over and um, he's like, you know, like Nathan or Nathan Petrelli, Nathan Petrelli. <laughs> and I love how the security's all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Nathan's like, oh, no, no, it's it's Mr. It's Hero, you know? Yeah, it's fine. And Hero's like, oh, so glad I saw you. You know, you must help or the bad future will come. You, you become a bad person in the future, Nathan. And Nathan's kind of like, hmm, the whole time, just kind of like giving him a look like, all right. <laughs> it's like, you know, but you can come with us now and help us stop it. And Nathan kind of like, you know, no. I can't. Sorry. I can't stop it. And then he leans in and whispers in Hero's ear, nobody can. <laughs> and I... And he walks away. And were, Hero... were, you, were you also just like, what's with the soft whispers all the time, Nathan? <laughs> Pretty much. And then he walks away to get back in his car, and Hero is just like upset as hell. He's like, you already are the bad guy. You're a villain. And he just starts yelling at him, villain, villain, like as he's getting into the car. And we do that oh, camera swivel again and see that. What a fun camera work this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that Jessica and DL are also watching Nathan right now because they want to um, ask him where Linderman is. So they're on their way to go talk to Nathan. And he'll never see them coming, apparently. But we'll go back with Hero and Ando, because they are going to the swordsmith. And they get there. And they go inside, and it's like, they have so many swords inside there. They're like, whoa. And we get to see um, the uh, godsend symbol again, hanging on a banner. And this this guy comes out the back. And they're like, are you Mr. Claremont? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I know this sword. It's the Kensei sword. And before I get into any more, I have to take a sidetrack. Because watching okay. this episode, there was something about the blacksmith that I don't know if you noticed watching it again. This gets into spoiler territory. Oh, do we know him? The blacksmith looks very much like David Anders. Like, I shit you not. If you look at him, you're like, that guy kind of looks like David Anders. Like an old grizzled David yes. Anders? Huh. I was like, I'm gonna have to... you look at it. I swear to God, go look at it. Okay. I believe you because you're an artist and you know what people's faces look like. And every time I tell you two people look like, you go, no, they don't. He looked vaguely Anders-ish enough for me to actually make a note in my notes about it. He's got, like, the similar eye set, the same eye color. It's just, like, very Anders if he's, like, more older and grizzled. Weird. Can I take a side note to your side note? Yes. The guy who does the um, sword forging and repair 
His name is Claremont, like Chris Claremont, who's the guy who worked on some of the most iconic X-Men storylines. Oh! Fun with names on heroes. There you go. Awesome. So back into there. I, I had to take that side because that, like, struck me so hard when I was wa- rewatching huh. it again. I was like, oh my god. Like, you're going to have to, after we finish recording, go look at this guy because I was like, holy I'm shit. I'm going to. He looks like, he is very reminiscent of David Anders, especially, like, with the stuff in the scene, but that gets too spoiler. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> So he's like, I can fix the sword, but it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. And he motions to the back door. And who should come out of the back but Hero's father, Kaito. And we find out that he didn't go back to Japan after he confronted Hero the first time. He stayed and he watched Hero's progress. And he wants to speak to Hero about it. He's like, your destiny ends here. We have to talk. (laughs) And Ando is very upset about this whole thing. He's like, we can't go back to Japan. We have to stay. We have to fix this. You know, I'm going to die if we, like, try to leave. And Hero's like, no, 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 don't worry about it, Ando. I, I have to go listen to him out of respect for my father. You just hang out out here, and then I'll be back. And it's it's shot so well, because you really do think, like, oh, Kaido's here to rain on everyone's parade. Mm-hmm. Rain on the parade again. Mm-hmm. Womp. So we go over. It's like, this, this episode's just filled with meanwhile, meanwhile, meanwhile. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Micah is staring out the window of the building he is trapped in. And he's still with Candace, and Candace is just strolling around the apartment and eating junk food. And he has this throwaway line about how he ha- does. He have like a friend or a cousin. He said cousin, cousin right? Yep. He has a cousin who eats like that, and he's really huge. And she does this little thing where she's like, "Oh, so am I." Eats French fries, and it seems like a throwaway line, but again, this is a lead for you to seek out the graphic novel that she's involved in Mm -hmm. because they really get into more of this. And also it's going to relate to the stuff she's going to say to Micah about why Linderman's plan's so appealing to her. It just fills in a lot of her motivation really nicely. Uh, A lot of this episode is a directive to read the graphic novels. It's not the first time I'm going to point people that way. Uh, There's a lot of it, (laughs) but she's like, Hey, I, I, I heard you liked comic books. So I got you some. And she throws some comics down uh, one of them is Hulk Gray, which Jeff Loeb worked on. Jeff Loeb being an executive producer on, on Heroes. Um, and also a comic book boy. But also, she gives him an original Silver Surfer number one. And he's like, holy crap, whoa, this must have cost you a fortune. He's like, you're nice even when you're scared. <laughs> I, I, love, I love their whole thing. They have such a fun dynamic. Yes. They really do. And uh, quick sidebar here, um, I looked that comic up on one of the pricing or the value guides I used to access all the time when I worked at a comic book store because I used to do some amateur comic grading when people would come trade stuff in. Uh, I can't tell the condition uh, because he's holding it, but if I had that in my hands, I could get a better idea of it. On average, that comic cost her about 450 to $500, depending on condition. Linderman money. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. he probably, like, gave her a bunch of money and was like, keep him entertained. <laughs> it's like the best babysitting gig ever, yep. to be fair. Linderman money, um, or she doesn't have the comic, but she's read it herself, so. Mm-mm. Illusion. Illusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or she stole it. Or, like, yeah. I mean, also so possible. Mm-hmm. Options. So... She ends up talking with Micah about Linderman and his plan for a better world. And Micah's confused because he's like, you're not, I don't think you're a bad person. Like, with your power, you could be a really great hero, not a baddie. And she's like, we just have to trust Mr. Linderman. He's going to heal the world. And he's like, I didn't know it was sick. And so this is when Linderman visits. Mm -hmm. And he comes in and Micah's just like, I know, I want to go home, etc. 
And Linderman's like, after today, you can go home. And here's the thing. I know a lot of adults have probably talked down to your whole life. I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm going to look you straight in the eye. I'm going to tell you one simple truth. That what you do here today, Micah, with your incredible ability, it's going to save many lives. And Micah's just like, all right, fine. Like, what do I got to do? And then they're like, just talk to a machine. That's that's all you got to do. That's what you do, right? You talk to machines. So here's the deal. You do as you're told, and I will make sure that you and your parents are well taken care of. They'll never have to worry about money ever, ever again. And that is a smart tack to take with him. Firstly, treating him like a person, not like a little baby, because, mm-hmm. you know, kids don't respond to that. And then secondly, really putting it out there like, hey, you know how you want to save your parents? Well, this is a great way for you to do it. And all you have to do is talk to a machine. I'm not asking you to do anything harmful. This is going to be a good thing you're doing. Everybody wins. It's very that. And so while this is going on, <laughs> Peter and Claire are telling Ted about the Siler stuff. Because <laughs> he needs a recap, you know. He hasn't been watching the whole show. And so they're walking down the street again. And, oh boy, it, it turns, it turns uh, pear-shaped real fast because... All these cars pull up, and there's sirens, and the feds are here, and they block Ted and Peter and Claire, but Peter grabs Claire, and he turns invisible, and he runs off with her, but then Ted, Ted gets apprehended, and we see the return of Clea Duvall as Agent Audrey Hansen, and Audrey's like, all right, Ted, end of the line, you're going to Guantanamo Bay, this is happening, and he's like... Agent Hansen? Like, you know I'm not a terrorist. Like, what the hell? And she's like, do I? Because pretty sure you blew up a van full of FBI agents. <laughs> and, he's, and I love how he's just like, fair point, but. <laughs> like, I love Ted's whole thing. It's like, yes, people have died. This is true. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, all right, well, give me a concrete cell lined with lead. Like, he's trying to help them. Like, that's the thing I always liked about Ted is he's not just like, fighting against this whole thing. He's like, no, he's led to people dying. His, his actions have led to people dying. Mm-hmm. Things he couldn't control also, unfortunately, have led to people dying. So he knows that normal isn't an option for him. He's not going to be able to go back to it. He's pretty much accepted his fate, you know? And so they take him away. And Audrey goes to thank the tipster that, you know, called in that they saw Ted Sprague. And it's Siler. <laughs> Fucking course it is. Because he's a little ass. And uh, she's like, all right, you know, and they, you know, haul him off. And she's like, couldn't have done it without you. This is, you know, he's a dangerous man. And, you know, we appreciate your efforts, your civic duty and all that. And he lies and says that his name is Isaac Mendez. Because, you know, crab shell, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's a fucking hermit crab. It's so, okay, it's so great. Because they have this little interaction where she's, like, looking away from him, and she's like, well, most people wouldn't have, you know, put themselves in danger. He's a dangerous guy. And he just is like, I'm not most people. And then <laughs> she turns around, and he's, he, that's how he does it, and he's, and he's gone. Because, you know, see our bonus episode about his stupid, dumb power. And um, I love this, though, because it's this whole interaction is very much a callback and a bookend to a graphic novel with these two, in which... Audrey is chasing Siler down, like, early hat and coat in the shadow Siler down, uh, through a crowd, and she loses sight of him, 
and she it's like this whole very like action filled thing like there's like a, a train and everything and she thinks she's got him and this guy gets gunned down and it's a homeless guy that he he gave the hat and the coat to and he sneaks away and so it's so great that they get to see each other face to face one more time and he gets to be like ha ha he he you still don't know it's me and um it's also really great because it's like the thing I love about Siler at this point in the show where he's just doing all of his personas is it's like that thing on American Dad where the person's always Roger. <laughs> like, every time they go to a new thing, like, it's always Roger. Like, it's always Siler. Like, of course it's Siler that called in the Ted thing and pretending to be someone else. It's so great. But yeah, so Ted's in custody and uh, that's not good because now he's incredibly vulnerable because the, the FBI has never been able to do anything about Siler. What's going to change now? <laughs> Damn right. So meanwhile, we go back to Hero, and he comes to Kaido, and he's like, look, I know you want me to come home, but I'm not going to do it. And Kaido's like, no, 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 you misunderstand. I've been waiting for a Nakamura to ascend. I just didn't think it'd be you. So he knows everything. He knows he has a power. He's hooked into this. It's what we've been telling you. All the parents have fucking powers. They're not trustworthy. They are connected. It's It's all... It's a conspiracy, man, because, I mean, we find out in this scene that Kaido is part of the company, which we knew already because of the Company Man episode, but, you know, now Hero's learning this. Mm -hmm. So Hero's like, oh, well, I had the villain under my blade and I couldn't kill him. He broke my sword. Like, I'm not cut out for this after all. And Kaido tells him, sword's not important, which I need to stamp that on Hero's forehead. (laughs) It would just make a lot of season one a lot shorter for his journey. (laughs) He's like, your journey is what restored your power, not the sword. And he says the same damn stuff about being with a group of people that had powers and some of them lost their way. It's, it's all just leading us into learning more about the company in season two, which we don't even get to learn as much as you hope we do. That's, that's a whole other can of worms, mm-hmm. but we do get to learn a lot more. And Hero's like, you're an office CEO. Like, what the hell do you know of killing? And then Kaito has a sword, you know, and he does a lot of, like, cool sword stuff. He's like, oh, I, I know a bit. I know a bit. He's got, like, a sword, like, you know, stopped at his neck like a badass. So, obviously, learning a little bit more about Kaido. I mean, like, like I said, we, we saw him in Company Man, mm-hmm. you know, being connected to all of this. But he's a badass, too. <laughs> he is, yeah. I have two things. Mm-hmm. Number one. Uh, yes. Kaito's reflection in the blade when he first pulls it open is real weird. Like, this is going to have to be like, Keisha, watch the episode again. <laughs> oh my god okay uh, homework they yes. look weird like it was weird enough for i had to stop and i went back a few seconds and watched it again like it's weird i don't know if it's just because of the way they shot it i don't even know if that's his eyes reflecting back what's weird about it it looked weird it didn't look like it was his eyes reflecting <laughs> back like it could have been but it was just like yeah you'd have to watch it they look interesting weird. okay it okay. almost looked like maybe they were going for this was a younger kaito reflecting back um because yeah, the eyes were not quite the same okay maybe maybe Number two, he tells Hero, next time you face your villain, you will kill him. And I just want to do a whole bonus episode talking about how much does mm. Kaito know of mm. what is coming, without being too spoilery. Sure, 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 And sure. I'm not talking about Siler. Ah. Because I feel like what funny. Kaito is talking to, to Hero about right now is not Siler. Yeah. It's funny how uh, it's like the Molly thing with the boogeyman. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We are, we're, we're, we're all a bunch of Mohinders. We're just like, oh, they must be in Siler. But no, no. <laughs> Watching no. in season one, you assume he is talking about Siler. But sure. there's a lot of stuff in there looking back now where it's like, I don't think that this whole song and dance that he goes through together and we see some more go- coming up. 
has to do with mm. Siler at all. Man, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though we know how it ends with, with them, but, like, I could see it meaning something else for sure. I, I, I'm, like, holding back from talking more about it, so let's go forward. <laughs> I know. I was like, you are fitting to burst. I am. I not am. not on season two yet. Especially with, like, stuff <laughs> later on, but I'm like, no, 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 we have to, like, chill. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> god help us with the fucking Kenze stuff. Alright, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Rachel loves this. She knows what's coming. <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back to show. <laughs> no, I'm just like, you talking about Claremont looking like Anders, and I'm like, Rachel, why are we talking about Star of Stage and Screen, alias Alana, <laughs> David Anders? I, because this whole fucking segment is like... <laughs> Mm, season two, slather, slather, slather. So, uh, election day, yeah? What's what's going on at the polling place? Yes, alright. So, Candace is taking Micah to the polling place, and she does a great thing where, uh, she gets out of the car and she turns into someone who would match having Micah with them. And he's like, you know, this suits you. And she's like, how do you know this isn't my real form? Because, like, this is before the comics, <laughs> so, like, they love the tease, like, we don't really know what Candace mm-hmm. looks like. Maybe this is what I really look like. So she walks in, she goes up to the um, little sign-in, and she's like, can I take my son to the booth with me? I want him to see democracy in action. And they're like, <laughs> oh, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Of course take your son in. Of course. How delightful. So they take him back into one of the voting booths, which are um, full of computers. And Mike is like, all right, what do you need me to do? And she's like, well, you need to tell all these computers to vote for Nathan Petrelli. She's like, after this, we've got like 12 more precincts to go around to. And he's like, no, 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 no need. All of the computers here are connected in all the different places. I can do it all from here. Don't even have to go to another place. And she's like, she's impressed. She's like, oh, that's kind of cool. All right. Mike is like, all right, how much do they want him to, to uh, win by? And she's like, oh, well, make it a landslide. <laughs> so he's like focusing and you can kind of see the computer screen like Nathan Petrella like getting checked over and over again and then he kind of stops and he looks tired and she kind of feels bad because he's looking like tired like this took a lot out of him and he's just like you know can I go home now I did what I had to do can I go home Aww. poor little Micah oh I mean can, can we talk about the fact that all of those uh, voting machines are connected yeah right what kind of awful flaw is that mm-hmm. and it's the kind of shit you still see and hear about now even mm-hmm. like I couldn't, in this day and age, I can't watch that scene now and not just be like, Jesus, we've learned nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That was fairly early on in that kind of, like, electronic voting, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Post-hanging Chad, man. Yeah. Didn't even have to go to each precinct. They're all connected. How convenient. Candace and Linderman both were like, there's no way these are connected. We'll have to go to each precinct. It's not a problem. Oh. And they really underestimate how lazy people are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, I was like, you don't you don't even need someone like a Micah. <laughs> you just need someone with a little bit of knowledge. Yep. And like, oh, they're all so vulnerable. Micah probably leaves less of a trace, though. Oh, easily, yeah. Let's go to the man of the hour, Nathan, mm. who's at his campaign headquarters. And while he's kind of watching the results come in, Jessica and DL face through the wall. Oh, you had to do it again, Jessica. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, okay, you're here. I didn't think I'd see you again. Uh, I thought after you ratted Linderman out, you'd be dead. And she's like, well, Nikki thought you'd be taking him out, but let me guess, he made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> and he just kind of, like, shrugs at him, like, yeah, you know, of course. And they're like, we're looking for our son. Linderman took him. And he's like, wow, that's kidnapping. That's a big accusation. And um, DL's like, you have to stop with Linderman. 
Whatever you think he's taking, he'll take ten times back, and he won't stop mm. until everything that you want is gone. Which, I mean, like you were talking about earlier with Heidi. Yeah. That delightful gift, like, mm, you owe me now, Nathan. Look. Giveth and taketh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And while they're there, on the TV it announces that Nathan Petrelli has won by a landslide. I think he had like 69% or something like that. 64, I wrote it down. 64, okay. 64%. Nathan's like, all right, well, if I tell you where he is, he can't come after my family and me. And DL's like, oh, don't worry about that. He took my son. He's going to pay in full. <laughs> like, oh, Linderman's not going to be around to mess with anyone anymore after we're done with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's payback time. Yep, time for a little revenge. <laughs> but first. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going for this one and then... I, I, I need you to tell the story of Kensei and the dragon. I need it. It's going to be like with this season. I'm like, Keisha, you have to have the Sally stuff. It's going to be season two yeah. with me. So, all right. Oh my God, yes. I'm never going to get to talk about Adam <laughs> for a minute. And I accept that. All right. So, there'll be episodes I'm sure we have to do it like this. And you will get your chance to talk oh, about it. Oh, <laughs> 100%. 100%. You're like, you'll get your chance, maybe. <laughs> You'll get all Siler season two stuff. Don't worry, sweetie. We're gonna. It's gonna be fine. Hey, I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> and he's so good on a road trip. So, yeah. all right. So we see Hiro and Kaito in new clothes, fighting with wooden swords. They are training, and over the training, we get to hear Kaito talk about how when Hiro was a boy, he would tell him the stories of Takezo Kensei, and they mentioned this back when they ran into each other before when he ripped the painting up. He's like, I shouldn't have told mm-hmm. you those stories, etc. And then Hiro tells him the story about Kensei and the dragon. So Kensei longed to unite Japan, so he went to the mountain and asked the dragon to teach him the secrets of the sword. The dragon did, and gave Kensei his sword powers. And then he used that to defeat his enemies and save his people. But then the dragon returned and demanded the life of the princess. So Kensei plunged the sword into his chest, cut out his heart, gave it to the dragon, telling him... My love is in here. Take it. And then he dies. And Hero's like, I understand now, Father. I understand what you were trying to tell me. Is that in order to do what is important, I must be strong enough to cut out my own heart. Again. He's not just necessarily talking about their Siler fight. <laughs> he sure is not. Becomes really, really uh, obvious after that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, a fun thing, though, that this made me think of, like, to relate to something we've already talked about. It's all very Mohinder and Chandra in the Heart of Stone. Yes. Like, immediately thought of that. I was like, oh, what gave you a Heart of Stone? Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting fathers telling their sons, you know, they have to be hard to make the hard decisions. They do. It's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And both Hero and uh, Mohinder are kind of the same kind of people in that way where they uh, don't want to make the terrible decisions like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Baddies also kill their dads, too. <laughs> I mean... Spoiler cut. Spoiler cut. I mean... <laughs> it's not too terrible of a spoiler. <laughs> it is what it isn't. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> oh. Pictures the hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, I cannot wait to talk about that and, like, the stuff that was happening, like, in the fandom stuff, because we were both fucking in it at that point, so... Oh, my God. We're going to be so much more annoying with all the, like, the fan, like, theories and, like, the... Oh, yeah. This is mm. us separated during season one. <laughs> Yeah, can you believe it? And then season two is us together in it. Woo. So, oh boy. Often, 
I don't know if season two so much, but definitely like three and four, often watching it at the same time. Yeah, too. season three like, and four watching at the same time. Not season two yeah. as much, but we were season two not as much, yeah. In it. <laughs> Afterwards talking <laughs> all it. the fuck about it. Oh my god. Oh boy. Flip flopping on the weekly between like Heroes Day and Lost Day. <laughs> yes, that is true. So why don't you tell us what uh good old HRG and Matt are up to? Alright, so while everything's going really bad over with Ted and Peter and Claire, uh, Bennett and Parkman have split up, and they are straight up entering the building where the tracking system is to be found. I love how Parkman's trying to talk to him, and Bennett just goes, like, full hard-ass, like, they'll find you no matter where they run, and we gotta do this. And Parkman's like, alright, God, glasses, like, chill the fuck out. (laughs) He doesn't say glasses, I do. But, um, (laughs) like, okay, okay. And so they go in because they know that they need security clearance to get up to the elevator so they can find the tracking system. So Matt's got to do the old razzle-dazzle with somebody. And he plucks out the security guard, Stanley. And I always kind of wondered if his name was Stanley because Stan Lee. (laughs) Oh. Anyway. Well, fucking, they kind of got named Claremont this episode. Anyway, um, so... He goes over to him, he's like, Stanley, my guy, like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know you. And Matt's like, what? Of course you do. Remember, we were, you know, I saw you when I was, I just went to go get lunch with my with my associate here, and I'm back, and I'm like, oh, I don't have, you know, my key card, but you can just buzz me right up, right? Like, you can you can get me right on there. And he's like, no. And, and so he starts reading him really good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, remember? Like, we saw each other this past weekend, and you were really drunk uh, with Tanya at Shopsons, and, and you were worried about people finding out about the, uh... And then Grunberg does the best little smirk <laughs> when when Matt is hearing the thing that Stanley's worried about, which is, like, apparently this guy has a porno he's concerned about coming out. Like, probably, like, a sex tape or something. Um, a civilian sex tape. And, um, <laughs> and as soon as he does that, I love I love the guy they got to play Stanley. He's so good. He just, he's, he's great. Like, the whole start to finish. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, here you go, guys. Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, just go. <laughs> and so... They, you know, they get scanned in, and Bennett, you know, goes up, and he tries to open a door, and he can't, and he's like, drat, they changed the codes. Let me tell you something, bud. Um, I'm in retail, and they change the codes when somebody leaves the job. So, like, yeah, obviously, <laughs> like, your your super secret organization's gonna change the security protocols, like, constantly. I always loved that, that line. I was like, really? Like, of course they did. <laughs> But anyway, so they're like, oh, well, we're going to have to wait so we can pluck it out of someone's head. And they're standing there, and Parkman turns, and he sees Jessica and DL, and he's like, oh, shit, no, we got to go now. <laughs> and he's like, that blonde works for Linderman. We got to get out of here. And I need to have a quick sidebar here to say, I love her outfit in this episode. I love it so fucking of course. much. yeah. Like, the trench with the sleeves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good look. And she wears almost the exact same outfit in the finale, but with different colors. It's a strong look. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just gotta say that. Like, a lot of this uh, early, mid-2000s fashion is, ooh, but that's a good look. <laughs> I, I will neither confirm nor deny that I have a similar thing because of it. Anyways, um, <laughs> I do. But, um, <laughs> haven't worn it with long sleeves yet. I should do that. Anyways, uh, so, I love how Matt's like, we gotta go, we gotta go, and Ben's like, no, no, it's all, it's good. I got this. And he's like, he just comes right up to him and he's like, hey, so my friend here can read thoughts. And he says, we have similar goals. Like, let's work something out. And he just comes right up to them with their names and everything. So they're just like, oh, you know, obviously Matt can figure that out. And Jessica, she looks at Matt with a little knowing smile and she's like, didn't I 
throw you out a window? <laughs> it's the best. I love Jessica. We know this. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And then there's a really great moment where they're all awkwardly in the elevator <laughs> together to, to go about their separate goals in this company building. Mm-hmm. And again, another great moment for Nikki, Jessica, in an elevator. All of her great moments are in elevators. Yes. Um, and then meanwhile, Mohinder is with Molly in the building. And he's like, she, hey, you're, you're responding really well to the treatment. And the antibodies in my blood are treating the virus. And she's so cute and being such a little kid who doesn't want to do a thing about it. Just like, oh, I'm all better now. Obviously, you don't have to stick me anymore. Like, <laughs> look what I can do. It's fine. And she takes a thumbtack. And she has her little map. And she's like, here, let me show you. And so she shows him what she can do and how she shows it. And she's like, I just got to think about somebody and I can find them anywhere. And she puts the thumbtack in the map and she's like, there. And he's like, being such a, a kind of like a babysitter or dare I say a parental figure. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do I know you're not playing a trick to get out of getting more shots? And so he looks at where the thumbtack is. He's like, because this is this building that we're in right here. Was that me? Is that thumbtack me? And she's like, no, no, no it's my other hero. It's the one that saved me from the boogeyman. And Mohinder immediately is like, let's find Siler, small child. Let's do this. <laughs> Speaking of the boogeyman. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, too. He was like, finally. Um, so Thompson comes in, and he's like, okay, so we need to get you out of the building for a little bit. We'll find Siler later, whatever, whatever. He keeps pushing Mohinder off, which is, like, such a bad idea. Because mm-hmm. it's just going just gonna to make him do something dumb. It always does. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now he's like, you guys need to get out of the building for a little bit. Just go away for a little while and then we'll come back and we'll, you know, keep going because he knows what's about to happen. And so do you want to tell us what's going on with, with, with Bennett? Uh, sure, sure, sure. Do you want to, do you want to see how their endeavor goes? So HRG and Matt get off the elevator and, um... They part ways with, you know, DL and Jessica, and they're like, you know, Winterman's on the 52nd floor, I want to say. I didn't write it down, so that's my 51st. guess. 51st. I wrote a lot of stuff down this episode. <laughs> we, like, I, it took me so long to watch this one episode. We flipped throughout the season. I took a lot of notes at the beginning, and then now I take hardly I any, so. I know, but as long as one of us does, we'll be okay. Exactly, right? Exactly. So. Anyway. They get off the elevator. And, um... Thompson shows Mohinder that oh, they're getting off the elevator right now and they're on their way. Mohinder's like, well, what do they want? And he's like, well, they want Molly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Mohinder's like, oh, that's not going to happen. So is about to go in the room and Matt saves his ass because he hears Thompson thinking like, well, good night, Bennett. <laughs> so he pulls him out of the way and Atrogy's like, all right, pulls out a gun. Stay here, Matt. And Matt's like, I don't have a gun. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I love that. I don't have a gun. <laughs> And sure enough, the camera pans back and Thompson's behind him. What am I thinking now, Parkman? And HRG's like, your last thought, bang, bang. Rest in peace, Thompson. So good. You're dead. And Matt's like, how'd you know he'd be behind me? And he's like, ah, we were old friends. (laughs) (laughs) So they move toward the room and HRG is trying to kind of prepare Matt for what they're about to do. He's like, we Mm. have to do this to keep our family safe. All right. You know, just be prepared to do what we have to do. And he pulls back the curtain. And what do they see but Molly cowering behind the bed? And he's like, what the fuck? It's a little girl. And he's like, you know, I, I knew it was a person, but I didn't know it was going to be a little girl or her. 
And Mohinder gets the jump on him. Yep. He gets the jump on Matt and knocks him out. And then it is a nice little standoff with HRG and Molly. And he's like, you kill me, she dies, Mohinder. So that is where we leave them pretty much for the episode is in the standoff. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's so great because when they're walking down the hall, Matt's like, so what are we doing? Are we erasing a hard disk? Are we destroying a satellite link? And, and Bennett very intentionally is like, we'll, we'll figure, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Like, <laughs> calm down. Because he he knows today he's going to have to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's worth noting two things. One, it's, he is definitely thrown off by the fact that it's a child. Yes. But he doesn't lower his gun either. Nope. Bennett's a very complicated man. Especially when it comes to the idea of finally getting to keep his family safe and ending the rule of the company from their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we don't want to think about what wouldn't have happened if uh, Mohinder wasn't there. <laughs> I want to take a sidebar. Would he have shot her if Mohinder and Matt weren't there? I think if Mohinder wasn't there but Matt was, he still would have. Uh, I do, too. I agree. I don't think Matt could have uh, I do, him. too. Matt would have been, like, beside himself, especially when he realized who it was, because he doesn't recognize her yet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dark stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally think he would have. He never puts his gun down once, even when he sees it's her. No. Like, he's reluctant, but ready. Yep. So. Uh, well, day turns into night, and Ted is being transported in an FBI truck. And who's there to send him off but our good buddy, Siler? (laughs) And this is one of the coolest moments in the whole show. It's kind of like, other than the fact that, like, yeah, okay, he's going to get one more cool power, but this, to me, is the peak of OP Siler. Yes. This is him at his best. This is the biggest, like, grandest thing that he does. And he's standing in the middle of the road as the truck is barreling down toward him. And, you know, Ted's in the back, there's a bunch of armed guards, and he's, you know, cuffed, and, you know, he's just he's just as restrained as he can be. And Siler waits for it. Waits for it, waits for it, and then he just lifts his hand, two fingers, just and he flips the whole goddamn truck and everybody in it. Just flips it right off the like right just as it's driving. He barely even looks like he has to think about it. He just like boop. And the truck flips upside down and it skids right to a stop right in front of him. Which, if you see any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which you can see in an episode of Heroes Unmasked, I will try to look it up so we can uh, give a link to the proper episode. They show behind-the-scenes of shooting that episode, and that's literally what they did. They flipped the truck. Mm -hmm. That's not CGI. It's so cool. And they literally had Quinto just stand there at a distance and stop it in front of him. That's why it looks so good as an effect, because it's not really an effect. Um, And so he's just super calm, and he... And he goes in and he flips the doors open and there's just, you know, there's carnage in there. But Ted's still alive. And he's like, oh, I'm hurt. I think it's real bad. And he's so vulnerable. And it makes me sad because, like, Ted's not a bad guy. No. He just has a power that's deadly. Mm-hmm. And so Siler's like, here, let me help. And he starts sawing his head open because, you know, it's what he does. <laughs> and Ted does one of the big, like, big, huge, like, screams of the show when he's slicing in. And so there's this little smirk, like, teehee, I had a good day. And, yeah, so he's he's gaining, he's gaining Ted's power. Uh, it's all falling together. Everything's going into place as it should. And did you have anything to, to mention about Ted before we go back over to Hiro and Kaito? Mm, I don't think so, no. 
Okay. Just rest in peace, Ted. <laughs> yeah, rip, rip, bud. Um, a lot of deaths in this episode. Yes. Because that's two big ones so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we go back over to Hiro and Kaito one more time. And there's lots more swordplay. And if you miss the training montages with Claude, then, well, this is your episode. <laughs> and Hiro's getting better at it in a short time indeed. Uh, Kaito even mentions it. Fun fact, this was something that was talked about a lot um, in reviews and stuff where they were like, he, he did this all in a day. And then there was a popular fan theory going around that they actually put themselves, Hiro put them in a time bubble. Mm-hmm. So that they actually were training much longer, but the rest of the world, you know, wasn't in line with them. So he actually is doing this for longer than it seems because it's literally like less than the day that he gets super good at it. If you're just looking at it, you know, in practical terms. And I always thought like, yeah, that's as likely as anything else. Yeah. So hero, you know, he's, he's learning, he's getting real, real good at it, much better at wielding his sword. And, (laughs) and I like that, you know, Kaito is so down to teach him all this stuff. And I like the idea of the training of it all, but like, but Going up against Kaido is one thing, because he's really good at the sword, yes. But Kaido can't move things with his mind. He can't freeze shit, and he can't blow things up. Like, it's different. But again... You know what I mean? It's not for I know, Siler. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, like, at the time, you think it's for Siler, and you're like, eh. You know, he would need to go through an obstacle course to mm-hmm. be even on the level where he could do this. But anyway, so he's like, training's complete. Thanks, Dad. And he goes to face off against the villain once more. And he's going to go meet up with Ando. And he goes back into the shop proper. And he's like, where's the guy I was with? And Claremont's like, oh, he bought one of my swords. I didn't write down what this one is, so you got me there. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he bought one of my something swords and he left. And he's like, oh, my Jesus. He thinks he's going to go kill Siler himself. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think you end up a pretzel in that comic book, friend? <laughs> Because of that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, that's what's going down there. Ando's got a sword and a comic book, and he feels like he's going to do something that people with ten powers can't do, but sure. And, yeah. To be fair, okay. well, Hinder always knocks him out. <laughs> well, they have a special relationship. <laughs> and to be doubly fair, I mean, you know... Ando has faced Siler a couple times and lived, and he's going to do it again. So anyway, anyway, um, so there's a quick moment where we go back to the city streets, and they're trying to take, like, a side street to get out of town, but there's a huge traffic jam, and it's Peter and Claire in their rented car. And, you know, Peter's got a lot of powers, but, you know, no one can get through traffic gridlock in New York City. Like, that's, that's not something you can do. And he and Claire realize that the jam is because of the flipped FBI truck and that Ted's dead. And I absolutely love the two, like, red shirts who are all like, oh, man, this is messed up. Like, the top of his head came off. How does that even happen? And Audrey, with her coat just strolling through the scene, super jaded, like some sort of noir detective, like it's Chinatown Jake, just being like, you don't want to know. Like... (laughs) So good. I love that. It is the perfect final scene. This is this is Audrey's final moment on the show. Yep. Uh, sad day. Um, I think she's one of the many people they wanted to have back at some point, but they just couldn't make it work. Plus, you know, Siler's storyline changes so much in the future. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's that too. But uh, yeah, Peter and Claire are realizing Ted's dead. And Peter's nervous because he's like, hey, man. 
Last time I fought Sylar, he killed me. I'm not too sure about this. And now he can do Ted's thing? Urgh. It's bad news bears. So that's what's going down, uh, going on down there. But um, why don't you tell us all about Linderman? I will. <laughs> his his uh, activities and uh, the kind of deal he wants to make. Yeah, Linderman is up in his office and he's just chilling, watching the election results. When all of a sudden, who phases into the room but Jessica and DL? And he's all like, oh, Jessica, what? What's going on here? And <laughs> she just picks him up and chucks him across the room. Where is my son? Where is Micah? He's no spring chicken. How does he bounce back up from that? I know, right? She like hooked him against the wall. She sure did. And then Linderman starts to get indignant. He's like, you wouldn't even have Micah if it weren't for me. Arranging your relationship, mm. putting the pieces into place. So again, what we talked about in the last episode a little bit. I mean, we never find out how much fully he was in other than what he says and what the board claims happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, deals like, you think being rich makes you better than us. And Say it. Say the thing, Rachel. I don't have it written down. <laughs> no, no. You think being rich makes you better than us. What is this an example of? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Class war. Class war! <laughs> it's in all caps in my notes. Class war, yeah. Mm-hmm. Class war! Class war. Class war. Uh, so Linderman tells them that, you know, he's on the 42nd floor, but you're never going to see him again. Because Jessica's going to kill you for me. And Dale's like, what? And he's like, oh, go open that bag over there. I was just getting ready to, you know leave and do a little business and she unzips the bag and pours it out and there's like a load of money in there and he's like oh consider this a deposit with more to follow and you can tell jessica's thinking about it she's like "Mm." and he's like like most women whose lives have been ruined by men (laughs) she craves money she craves security and as she's looking at the money he offers her 10 million and she kind of looks at him he's like 20 million to kill your husband and walk away and jessica's like man you know what dl he's right I want to take the money. I really want to take $20 million. I really want to take the money. I'd kill you for it. But Nikki wouldn't. And she lets Nikki out. Jessica's gone back and Nikki is out. And uh, she's like, oh my god. And Linderman's like, you know, you don't love him. She's like, everything I've done, I've done for them. And then Linderman picks the gun off himself and shoots DL. Should have taken the money, Jessica. But DL moves stupid fast. Because before Linderman can get another word out, he's dead. DL phased his fist through Linderman's head and killed him. Just right then and there. Mm-hmm. Falls to the floor and DL's hurt. He's been shot. And he's like, Jessica wasn't the strong one. It was you, Nikki. Yep. As, uh, as he bleeds out, which he didn't need to do because he can phase, but sure. <laughs> We've seen him phase bullets before. Sure have. Ad- I guess he can't Admittedly, not all now. of them. So I get, yeah, there's arguments yeah. to be had there, I guess. It's for the drama, Keisha. <laughs> I know it's for the drama, and it really, I mean, I don't know how spoiler this is, but it's going to keep Nikki with a focus and a distraction that keeps her from, like, really participating too much in the final events. Like, she has her moment. Yes. It, it, it kind of goes back to the whole thing of, like, you have a bunch of really heavily powered people in one place, and it's hard to give them all proper screen time and, you know, budgets and effects. And, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get there. We will. Do you want to wind up the episode? Well, sure. Uh, we see a campaign event. It's a victory party. And Nathan and Heidi are there. And she's still pretending to be paralyzed, which she thinks is ridiculous. And she feels silly doing it. 
And Nathan very correctly tells her, people don't believe in miracles. When the time is right, we'll tell everyone. He nailed that. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be too fucking weird for people. They would have thought that she was, like, scamming them or something. So, okay, I'm glad you're letting me do this, because I have a whole ass thing that I wrote down. That's why I let you do it, because I wrote parts of a speech down, but I'm like, Keisha Shirley has the whole thing written down, so. I didn't. I have I have a bone to pick. With, oh, boy. Um, okay. With some plotting. All right. Okay. He won by a landslide, which was orchestrated by Linderman by using Micah's ability, yes? Yes. So that when the explosion occurs... He would be in a position of something like congressman, which easily can translate into somebody like president later on. Because ideally it's good to be in some sort of office to transfer from, you know, that to the highest office in the land. But if (laughs) (laughs) we're under the assumption that the explosion is meant to happen and it's going to wipe out millions of people, who is to say that because of the district it's going to happen in, a lot of them wouldn't have been the candidates he went up against. So Nathan being safe would have been, you know, part of the plan. He didn't need to win anything. Mm. He could have just been taken out of the town. Boom. Everyone's dead who was running with him. Boom. He slides right in. I can see that. Like, they'd probably have to hold a special election. Yeah. Um, But it's a district thing, right? Yes. Congressman is district. Mm-hmm. That means people who ideally live around where they were, which was like the epicenter of where the bomb was going to happen. Yeah. There's a very good chance his candidates would have been dead. Yes. And they wouldn't have had to go through all of this. It probably was a backup plan. Fair. Fair. But, yeah, I just, I couldn't help but think about this time. I was like, wait a minute. He didn't have to do any of that. He just had to make sure Nathan was safe and then bring him back at the right time. Yeah, I'm not sure how that all would have worked. I don't know. It was just something worth uh, mulling over. Like, was he going up against an incumbent who might not have been there necessarily, you know? Like, he might have, I guess, for, like, because it's election day. Yeah, I feel like Linderman could have just made sure those people were definitely in town. Yeah. Like, in the right region. And then... But... Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just a fun thing to think about. Interesting. Okay. okay. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Um, so, Nathan comes out on stage with Heidi. The choice of the cheesy campaign victory song? Mwah. A plus. <laughs> like, holy shit. That is so the kind of thing someone would play at a party like that. Mm-hmm. Well done. Music, you know supervisors for the show uh he goes up and he does his little speech and he's like i'm sorry my brother couldn't be here tonight i know he cares about the city more than anyone and he does this whole little thing he's like my father always said we had to use what we could to help people greater good blah 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 it's all the stuff we've already heard and there's a montage of characters where we left them off pre the finale at this point mm-hmm. just kind of remind everyone like this is where we're going to be when we you know pick up for the final episode of season one and he says, you know, I challenge everyone in here to inspire by example. We see Audrey one more time. She doesn't say anything, but we see her one more time. And then it's all confetti and balloons. And Nathan's such a shark. He's just smiling. Full, full politician. Like, I didn't mention this earlier, but I loved how when DL was like, he has my son. And he's like, that's a kidnapping allegation. Yep. You're going to need hard evidence <laughs> for that to make that stick. And I was like, ever the lawyer, ever the politician. <laughs> like... This, okay, I feel like this episode and maybe, like, the one before, well, not the one before so much, because, well, no, I feel like this episode, the one before, and then probably, like, 0.07% are a really great, like, Nathan origin story, like, trio. Yeah. Because the choice he makes in the finale is actually kind of very against his uh, character up to this point, Mm -hmm. uh, what he's becoming. 
mm-hmm. and there's going to be several things that happen that are going to bring him back to the point we're at now. And it just, yeah, I just feel like this is such a great, like, development thing for Nathan. Like, we're really going to get to see who he is. And he will make one impulsive decision that bucks against people's expectations of him. But other than that, this is it. This is the guy. He'll, 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 he'll stand on stage and smile and as the balloons fall, knowing full well what's about to happen to all those innocent people. Oh, he's such a shark. Like, he is. <laughs> but he has to be. Like they, they do such a good job of building up, like, why he has to fill this role. Um, yeah, and as this is happening, and as we see our final little montage of characters, we see one new scene, which is our boy Siler, and he's standing on a rooftop looking over the city, and he's playing with his new power that he's probably had for less than an hour and can control it better than Peter pretty much ever will. Um, <laughs> like... It's just, it goes into, like, the whole, like, Siler OP thing again. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he doesn't need a Claude. He can handle this shit just fine all on his own. And he's just playing with it. He's doing one hand, then another hand. He's just, everything's a toy to him. And he's looking out in the city, and he smiles, and he just says, boom. And that is how the episode ends. <laughs> Quick question. Sure. Do you think it's part of the uh, Ted's power that you just have, you just want to futz with it? Because remember, we had episodes of Ted just doing pretty much the same thing for his, like, couple seconds we saw him. What's It's quite likely. Yeah, and so, so I was like, ooh, let's play with this, you know? Let's futz around with it on a rooftop. It's, uh, it's quite likely, and, I mean, yeah, shit, like, I don't know. He just, he likes playing with his powers, too. That's a Siler thing. Oh, of course, but I mean, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, Ted yeah. would all the time. It'd be like, oh, there's Ted in the desert futzing with his powers back to the story. <laughs> there's... <laughs> There's, there's Ted playing with nuclear energy. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. So that's where we sit before the finale. Every piece is pretty much in place at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get to see, you know, what's what's going to happen. Who's going who's gonna to actually be the bomb? Who, if, if they're going to explode or not, how that will affect things. Where we're gonna leave people off before season two? It's exciting. Yeah, and one more exciting thing, especially for you. Mm. We mm. only have part of an episode left where you can't say the name. Oh my fucking god! I'm gonna <laughs> scream it from the rooftops. <laughs> Stupid thing that I decided to do to be funny. And yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna too. Like. That's gonna be like the subtitle of the episode. Like, I'll beep you uh, if you say it before we get to it. In the I'm story. not gonna. I'm not going to. <laughs> not going to. <laughs> I was gonna type it to you, but now I'm not gonna do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Any any final thoughts? Uh, it was a good episode. Got everyone where they needed to be. Um, yeah. The Nikki and DL stuff was good in this episode. It's because they're around mm-hmm. everyone. Again, they, they tend to thrive when they're around people, but... Yes! Yeah. Spoiler alert, that gets taken away pretty quickly in season two. <sighs> yeah, spoiler alert, don't look for good things for them. For them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, shall we wrap it up with uh, our social media accounts? Yeah, let's do the socials. Alright, so, if you want to follow us, you can do so on Twitter. We are at Eclipsed Podcast on Twitter. If you want to follow our personal accounts... I am at that burb there, burb with a B, like Bennett. Keisha is at lady underscore snark, S-N-A-R-K. You can email us at eclipsedpod, not at, blah, eclipsedpod at gmail.com. 
pesky at going everywhere I don't want it to go. <laughs> right. We have an Instagram. Uh, I'll, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. I put stuff on there sometimes. Yes. <laughs> sometimes things go on there. Um, sometimes. We have a Discord link to that will also be in the show notes. Come over. Oh, my God. Hello. Come play with us. We have, like, a neat little community there. Mm-hmm. Talk Shout out to stuff. the uh, Discord people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's it for the socials. Mm-hmm. We are there. We are at the finale. One more episode yes. to go. And then we're going to plan a bunch of fun little side episodes. Yep. Uh, we're not going to dive right into season two. I've said this before, but we're going to really dip into the between season experience and also just like some fun fandom nostalgia shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Me too. We need to decide what those are going to be. <laughs> We've got like another week to decide. <laughs> I know. And, and I've, 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 I've been thinking about it. Like I just got to figure out what, what three or four they need to be. But yeah. Same, same. So anyway, yeah, that'll be fun. But until then, hmm. we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed, how do you stop an exploding man? A, with a gun. B, with a sword. C, the Haitian comes in, or D, you don't. Tune in.